through verse 25. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. house of the Lord this morning, isn't it? Wow. I said it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, amen? Amen. All right, now you sound like you actually mean that, okay? Thank you, Brother Todd, for inviting us to to preach this morning. I always appreciate it and always thankful for you, my brother, for your faithfulness to God's word and to his church. And I'm thankful for Powell's Chapel. We visited another uh, church last week. It was wonderful, it's great, but it's good to be back home. I'm assuming that you have your Bibles open this morning to the book of Galatians chapter number 5. I love to hear pages turning. I know that in our society today we've got all this technology and you just push a button, but I sure still love to hear pages turn. I'd like to see people hold this in their hand. That's just general preference for me, though. It's not God's law or anything. It's just what I like. Galatians chapter 5, we're going to be uh, uh, studying just a little bit this morning. Uh, The theme of the message is the fruit of the Spirit. But I want you to think about this message in another way. I want you to think of it as there's two paths. There's two paths in life. The paths are noted here in our our verses today. The first path is what we'll call the spiritual path of destruction. The second path that we'll look at this morning is called the spiritual path of delight. Our Lord told us in Matthew's gospel, chapter number 7, in verses 13 and 14, it says to enter in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. 
Verse 14, he says, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life and few there be that find it. Our Lord spoke of these two possible pathways in our life. He said that one of these pathways will lead us to life. It'll lead us to a life of blessings. It'll lead us to a life of communion and fellowship. The other life where it may be seemingly fruitful in this world and in the possessions of this world will lead you down the pathway of destruction. There's a path, a spiritual path that we're going to discuss first this morning and I'd love for you to, if you will, to please listen to the things I'm going to be saying because uh, in spite of everything that we may be taught in this world today, our spiritual walk is like a battlefield. It's like a battlefield. There's a war going on inside of each and every one of us. Now, there's wars that we hear about in our day and time and in our society. No doubt the Apostle Paul was absolutely correct when he told Timothy that this is perilous time that you and I live in. You know, you never know what you're going to hear each morning when you wake up and you listen to the news from church shootings to massacres in major cities. We don't know from one day to the next what is going to transpire in our world as a whole. We, we stand on the brink right now of nuclear holocaust. But in and above all of those circumstances that we see in the world and in the news and in the media, my God's still on the throne. He's in charge of the world's affairs and there is absolutely nothing in this world that can take place without his express permission to do so. I believe what old John Gill said so many years ago. I don't believe that there's a bird that can flutter in the sky unless God says it can do it. I don't believe there's a butterfly that whispers its wings unless our God says you can do it. I'll go a step further. I don't think that I can drive down the road this morning and a car in front of me flips a gravel up, bursts the windshield in my truck unless God says it can be done. That's the God we serve. In our day and time, though, we're offered so many different avenues of success and opportunities. Just as it was to the church at Galatia, we find that in that time that there was those who were entering into the church of Galatia, and they were trying to, if you will, discredit the grace of God. They were trying to take the believers in Galatia back under the works of the law. And Paul said that he was worried about them, how that they were going back under the, the, the rudiments or the elements of this world when they have tasted the good grace of God. How that the church at Galatia was having uh, evidently a lot of problems because Paul mentions here in this fifth chapter, he says, you bite and you devour one another until you're going to destroy each other. Thus the reason for these passages of scripture here where Paul, if, if you will, he enumerates the works of the flesh and then he goes into the fruit of the spirit. I want you to note with me first and foremost in these passages of scripture that the works of the flesh is, is plural. Works. Now when you think of works, you think of something that is what you do, 
Right? Would you agree to that? This means yes. Ron, where's my amen? There you go. Ron told me he was going to throw me an amen every once in a while. Where, where's, there he is back yonder. I see you back there, Brother Lynn. Be looking for one later. <laughs> Works. Something you do. Now, I've, I've been in manufacturing most of my adult life. I've seen machines produce part after part after part after part. It works. But where it differs from the fruit of the Spirit, you can't manufacture a piece of fruit, can you? I, I mean, you could probably, with all the genetics and everything and science that they got now, you can have these these fake apples and oranges, but they're not the good stuff. Fruit of the Spirit must be something that comes from within you. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit of God. It is something that He is doing in you. As the Apostle Paul told, uh, uh, I think it was Titus over there, he said, For it is God that worketh in you. It is God that worketh in you both to do and to will of His good pleasure. So if there's something that I do that is good, I give God glory for it. That's the difference between works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. The works of the flesh says, look at me, see who I am, see what I can do, see what I've accomplished. Aren't I good? Isn't the church just blessed to have someone like me? And then we stick our self-righteous chest out and we think, yeah, we're something, we're really something. Whereas the difference is the fruit of the Spirit says, I want to give God glory for what I've accomplished because it is He that has done it through me. People who are under the Spirit and walk in the Spirit during that, in that path of spiritual walk, they looking to glorify God and not man. Flesh is opposed to spirit. It's a battle. Remember I told you that the spiritual life is like a battle? One old preacher once said, old B.B. Caldwell, I don't know if you ever heard any of his sermons or not, B.B. Caldwell said the life of the flesh and the spirit is like two bulldogs inside of you. You know who's going to win? The one you say sick them to. But that's the way it is, Constantly. Within the child of God, there is a battle raging. I think it was Peter said this. Let, let's turn over if you don't mind. I, I want to show you this passage of scripture to show you that I'm, I'm just not ringing my bell. I want you to hear what, this, what the word of God has to say here. I think, it, yeah, here you go. 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 11. Yeah, I like to hear that. Hear them pages? 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 11. He says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war, just catch that, which war against the soul. He's given them exhortation. He's given them a warning there. That yes, you, even you, the child of God, has to abstain from fleshly lust. Well, preacher, I thought once I got saved, I didn't have to worry about that no more. 
Well, those who teach in sinless perfection needs to read the book of 1 John. Because in that book of 1 John, it says, if we say that we have no sin, we lie. If you say that you've never sinned, that you're not in sin today, you lie. But if we confess our sin, he's faithful, he's just, and he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes, child of God, you are still in this sin-cursed body and you are subject to failure at any given time. Paul says the man who thinks he stands needs to take heed lest he fall. Lest he fall. This flesh is opposed to the spirit. What I do, Paul says, what I want to do, I don't do. Listen to, I'm going to turn, you don't have to, yeah, you do too. Turn to Romans chapter 7. You need to see this. Romans chapter number 7. Listen to the dilemma Paul found himself in. And I found myself in this same dilemma. Romans chapter number 7. And verse number 15. Look at what Paul says. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. You ever felt like that? The things that you know to do and that are right to do, you don't do. But the things that you know that are against God and are wrong, you find yourself doing it. Paul said this. If I then, listen to this, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is not good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. You know what that word dwelleth there means in its original context? It means to be at home with. It means that it's a natural thing for you to fall into sin. It's this sin-cursed nature and body that you and I have that we're going to have until the Lord comes and changes us in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We're going to have it. The Romans used to have a good example of, of, of what I'm talking about right there. Whenever they would have a prisoner, they would chain two of them together. And if one of them died, the living one had to carry that thing along with him until he died too. That's the same thing we're doing in the Christian walk. We're alive in Christ, but we've got this old filthy dead carcass that we've got to carry around with us every day, every moment, and it's subject at any given time to rear its ugly head up and say, boo, here I am. You ever had that done? You ever been driving to work one morning? I mean, you've had a good devotional that morning. You studied and you You've been in the very, feel like the presence of God. And you're driving down the road, probably somewhere down I 24, and somebody cuts you off and all of a sudden, yeah! You ever done that? That's sin as well as evil. Who was that? There you go, brother. That's the sin that dwells in you. That's what Paul's talking about here. 
take a sheep, which is uh, an example of what God gives us as a child of God, right? We're called sheep. You take that sheep and you put him out in the field. And if he falls in a mud hole, you know what? He wants to get out. He don't like it there. He don't belong there. And he wants to get out as soon as he can. But you take a hog and you take that booger. Let me tell you something. I, I, we, me and Teresa had a little dog named Abby. She was a little miss. I don't know what all she was. We had a shave one time or another that I've never seen in my life. And Teresa looked at one of us and said, Is that our dog? I was like, Whose dog is this? Oh, it's our dog. But hey, we just clean her up that night. I mean, have her just, just clean, comb her hair, trim her up a little bit. You let her go, you know where she's headed? She's headed for the first bear hole she can find. Because it's her nature to do The child of God has a new nature in itself. Yes, it will fall in a mud hole from time to time. Yes, you and I do have the same sin, but we don't practice it. We don't make it a habit of doing it. But yes, there is those one time, one shot. of the flesh. Natural. It's at home there. Paul dealt with it and you deal with it. Flesh is opposed. It goes against everything in the spirit. And beloved, each and every one of us started at the same place. Every one of us. We came from the same lump of clay. Doesn't the Bible say of the same lump he is made, made to make one vessel unto honor, one unto dishonor? Absolutely. You and I, each and every one of us, if not all, have been guilty of some of these sins mentioned here in Galatians chapter 5. Let's, let's see what they are. Galatians chapter number 5. He said right here in verse number 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, reviling, and such like of these which I tell you before as I have also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, what the Apostle Paul was telling here to the church of Galatia, I've already told you this once. I'm telling you this again. Evidently, there were some problems going on at the church of Galatia that the Apostle Paul was trying to uh, uh, deal with here. Where did he tell them that before? I'm glad you asked. If you will look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. 
1 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 9. Listen to what the Bible says. He says, Know ye not. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, infeminate, abusers of themselves, of mankind, thieves, or covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Like I told you, we all started at the same place. We're all of the same fallen lump of clay. And maybe not all, or hopefully not all, but in one of these lists that I just enumerated to you this morning, we've all been guilty of. Some way, somehow. But here's the blessing of this. Look at the next verse. And such were some of you. That's the hope. We don't have to remain in the hog pen. We don't have to remain down there wallowing around in the depths of sin. Like I told you, it is the practice of a child of God to want to do that which is right according to the Word of God. Do we fall? Yes. But we don't stay there. We get back up. We get back up. We dust ourselves off. We ask for forgiveness. And we move on in the name of our Lord who has forgiven us. If we confess, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And don't you say this morning, don't, don't say it, oh, that'll never happen to me. That'll never happen to me, preacher. Well, the Bible teaches me, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, he says, a man thinks he stands, take heed, lest you fall lest you fall. The flesh is ordained to judgment. The pathway of a spiritual disaster, this fleshly walk, is ordained to judgment. Now I've got to get real plain here. I've got to get really plain here, to be honest. The lost sinner without Christ, who's never made a profession of faith, who's never been quickened to life by the Holy Spirit of God to see their need of a Savior, that lost sinner, their destination is hell. Is hell. A literal, eternal, Separation from God, where the worm dieth not, and the flame is never quenched. That's the destination of a lost sinner. The unfaithful saint, which kind of fits us, you will one day stand before the judgment seat of Christ for these deeds that are done in this body. Well, brother, I'm under the blood. I've been baptized. I've been, I've been a member of the church. I've done a lot of good things. 
Paul said, God's not mocked. God's not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, he's going to reap. One day, child of God, you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And you will stand there for the deeds done in this body. No, your soul's not in danger of hell. You've been sealed to the day of redemption. You've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And what God has forgiven is forgiven. But one day we, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And my prayer, not only for myself, but for all of you, that just because you're born again and just because you're saved doesn't give you a license to sin. You know, a lot of people say, well, I've I'm, been saved by grace. You Baptists teach it. Well, because you're saved by grace and you're sealed to the day of redemption, you can live how you want to. Let me tell you something. The Bible never teaches that. You cannot be saved and live like the devil. Amen, brother. Somebody, Lynn, where you at, brother? Thank you. Ron, I'm going to be your next. That was two winks, wasn't it? You said two winks was bringing on. The undeserving saint, which we all are, will one day stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I want you to notice with me in this passage of Scripture in Galatians chapter 5. He says in verse number um, 21, he says envies, he, he enumerates these terrible, awful sins of the flesh on that spiritual route of destruction. Envies, murders, drunkenness, reviling, such like of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do, do, do. That word do there means is practice. Practice. Don't miss that truth. Now, it's, 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 it's absolutely possible for someone who is lost without Christ to do some of the things that are mentioned as good works. Absolutely. But it's not their practice. It is possible for a child of God to fall into the mud hole, but it's not their practice. You need to remember that. You need to remember that. So whenever the devil comes to you and says, oh, you've done messed up bad now, you're lost. Nope, 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 nope. I'm not lost. My sins are still under the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to confess this sin to him, and I'm going to ask him to forgive me. And I know on the authority of his word, he's faithful, he's just, he's going to forgive me. And that means that I am going to do my dead level best. Yeah, the Christian life is not passive, it's active. It's active. It's something that's alive. You know, some people sit back on their honkers and say, well, I believe in grace. That's why I'm going to sit down and let God do that. Oh, no, Jesus. You've got responsibility and accountability to go to God. I like what Spurgeon said, Bob. I like what Spurgeon said. You know, he was in the jail and he killed the deal and called him God. He said it was kind of like this, Jim. He said, Gates of glory. It's going to be written over the, over the top of that gate. 
settle up with you after service. Do something you practice. Verse 22, and I know this is what y'all have been waiting to get to, where we're going to deal with the fruit of the Spirit. And as I said, this word fruit is singular. And I, I personally believe that the first one in which all of the other fruits stem from is love. Love. That word love there is the word agape. It's an unconditional love. It's, it's, it's God's love. And that's the love that you and I are to express toward one another. Not only that, toward our God. It's an unconditional. It's not based on uh, whether what you've done to me is good or bad. I still love you. Jesus Christ gave us a supreme sacrifice, an example of what true godly love is. And that he was willing to give his life, shed his blood for enemies enemies folks face it when when christ shed his blood for us we weren't his friends we weren't his friends we were his enemies it wasn't that we were able to come to him on our own strength and on our own worth no when when we were without strength christ died unconditional love which he showed to us he says to show to one another that means when I see my brother in need I don't shut up what I have I'm willing to open up the doors of my house and say here if I got it you can have it amen that's what it means that, that means Larry something you manufacture. It's not something you can work up. What's the next one? Well, the next one is joy. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. From love stems joy. 
Now, joy is something that comes from here. tells me things are going wrong, whenever the world frowns, the joy that I have by the fruit that has been given me of the Holy Spirit of God, I can still, maybe not with an outward smile on my face, but a gentle peace and joy in my heart I can face tomorrow. And that kind of joy can't be manufactured. It can't be worked up. It can't be prayed down. It's got to be a gift of God. That's the kind of fruit that we're looking for. Fruit that is a gift from God. The next one is peace. Well, love brings peace, or brings joy. And also, joy which is peace in your heart. This peace in your head, in your minds, in your thoughts. What gives you tranquility of mind of knowing that, as I said, with the circumstances of the world and the perilous times that you and I live in today, that we can still have that deep, settled peace? Because we know that Romans 8, together for my good, his glory, that I can rest in that passage of scripture, that I can rest in knowing that my God sees everything, that nothing misses his notice, that his eyes on the sparrow, that he knows the very hairs of my head, he knows the days that I have marked here on this earth, and nothing's going to happen to me until he says so. That's what gives a child of God that sweet, gentle love, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. A deep, settled confidence in our God that you can trust Him. Goodness. That's a willingness to do good, to help others, to see our brothers in need, and to be able to reach out our hand and say, let me help you up. What does Paul tell these, these Galatians here in chapter 6, number verse in verse number one, he says, Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest I also be tempted. In other words, brothers and sisters, whenever we see one of our brothers and sisters in this congregation or in any congregation that has been overtaken by sin or a fault, we don't go to them in a harsh, rude, cold spirit and say, well, you better be glad I'm not God or I'd have sent you right to hell. No, we go to that brother and sister with meekness and gentleness, considering ourselves, knowing that we're nothing but flesh as well, and we take that brother or sister with a tear on our cheek and a broken heart and we try to lift them back up and bring them back. That's what this goodness is. Faith. 
Faith is the ability to trust God. I think it's Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says it's by grace have you been saved by faith and it's not of yourselves it is the gift of God. The faith that you have, the ability to believe God is a gift. It's not that you were any smarter or I was any smarter, that our heart was more tender, that, that you know, perhaps, you know, it was because we... We did this or that and all. God was pleased to reveal his son to you. Open your eyes. Show you who you are. And draw you to himself. That faith is an ability to trust God and not man. Faith. Every child of God not only should have faith. But be faithful. You know what it means to be faithful? It means you say what you do and do what you say. You know, parents are the world's worst. They say, it don't matter. Don't do what I do. Do what I say. No. As examples of Christ, we need to do as we say and say what we're going to do and do it. That's faithful. You know, I found... Brother Todd, in my 30 years in ministry, that people are going to do pretty much what they want to do. Brother Bill Sasser, I don't know if you know him or not, but he pastors Grace Church in Franklin. Brother Bill told me one time that he used to go visit this gentleman. His wife and kids were all faithful to the church there in Franklin. He used to go visit this guy. He owned his own business. He had a gas station. I know somewhat about gas stations because my dad owned one. I was raised up around there. But he would always go and he'd invite this gentleman to church. And he'd always have an excuse. Always have an excuse why he couldn't make it, why he wouldn't be there. And one day, Brother Bill told him, he says, you know, and I, I'm not going to call the guy's name. Some of you may know him. But he said, you know what? You're going to do what you want to do. And pretty much that's what people do. Whatever's in here. You're going to do what you are motivated to do. You're going to do what you want to do. You're here this morning because you wanted to be here. If you didn't come, it's because, well, you didn't want to be here. Maybe something providentially hindered people that are not here. I don't know. But people pretty much do what they want to do. But being faithful is a characteristic. It's a fruit of the Spirit of God. Meekness. Meekness is not to be confused with weakness. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, Come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. I'm meek and lowly. But he wasn't weak. Moses was called the meekest man on the earth, but Moses wasn't weak. This meekness is not to be confused with weakness. The child of God guided by the fruit of the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, is bold. He's faithful. He's meek. In other words, he has restraint, power to control, but not using his power, if you will, to use it in revenge. Temperance is self-control, refusing to do the things you have the power to do.
gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. In other words, what the Apostle Paul is saying here, if you follow these, if you're being led down this pathway that leads to delight, this pathway of delight, there's no condemnation there. Romans 8 and 1 says, There's therefore right now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. My question to you, beloved, this morning is this. There's two paths. There's a path of destruction, and there's a path of delight. We covered pretty briefly some of the characteristics of those, this path. But my question to you right now is this. Which path are you on? Which path are you on? Are you walking that broad path that our Lord talked about that leads to destruction? Or are you walking through that narrow gate that few there be that find it? Which path are you on? Be real with yourself as the Spirit of God searches hearts this morning. If you're on that broad road, that road that leads to destruction, that path that leads to destruction, if your life is tainted with the awfulness of the sins that's been mentioned, Jesus can forgive you right now today and will. Simply if he's touched your heart, he's enlightened you and showed you your need of a Savior, come. Make it known today. Profess him. Professing. It's one big issue today. A lot of people profess, but they don't possess. They're on that road that leads to destruction instead of that road that leads to delight. For the child of God, there's nothing but delight. Yes, we have our times of trouble and struggle, but he's right there with us. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Maybe you're a child of God here today that's been walking a cold, indifferent, away from his side. Jesus said, come. Like the prodigal son, the father's waiting. While we have a song of invitation, Jared, you will please, Brother Todd. Today is the day of salvation. Harden not your heart. If you're walking down that broad road.